Good morning, everybody. Um, if you guys could turn the house lights up so I can see people's faces, that would be awesome. Thank you. Um, welcome uh, to Sunday morning. Um, today is going to be a little bit different than normal, obviously. Uh, we're going through the book of Acts uh, on most weeks, but not today. Um, but I will tell you, I'll just kind of give a preview of what's going to happen today, and then we'll have, I'll have uh, Kevin come on up in just a minute. Um, but I, I know that um, I'm putting myself kind of in your shoes right now. Whenever uh, I can think back to when I was in high school or even at junior high, and um, if someone gave us the talk about media and technology, it was like the moment I heard those words come out of their mouth, I just kind of went, okay, whatever, right? And, uh, I mean, for us, the talk about technology was always about, like, uh, rock and roll music or um, music from the devil, and uh, as they would call it. And, um, and just, you know, Kim can relate to what I'm talking about, right, Kim? And, uh, and so that was the extent of our technology was just music. That was it. Like, there was no Internet. There was, there was TV, of course, um, but it was still in black and white. I'm referring to Kim, not when I was, you know. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. And in fact, um, I can sort of recall when my parents told me, uh, they would tell me about, like, the first time they ever saw television or got a TV, and I'm just going, y'all are just so old. Oh, so old. And, uh, and so, in fact, when I was a kid, we actually didn't have TV for, like, four years. And what happened was um, it was because my mom didn't want it, so we didn't have it for, like, four years. So I was, like, deprived. I didn't even know what was going on in the world. I was like, have we landed on the moon yet? Has there been, like, a moon landing yet? I have no idea. And, uh, and so at one point, though, we had a television. And back then, televisions were, like, not just a TV, but they were, like, a piece of furniture, Okay, they had like a wood frame around them and stuff. And my parents got this television, and um, we finally got a TV after four years of no TV. And my dad turned it on, and I kid you not, it blew up. Like it, this thing shot out of the top of it and went into the ceiling. And I was just going, "Wow, that's awesome! Can we get another one?" And uh, and of course, my mom took it as a sign from God that we weren't supposed to have televisions for, like, the next two years. So they left that thing sitting in there broken for, like, two years, and I'm going, please, just turn the thing on, you know? And, uh, and so we still didn't have it for, like, two more years after that. We finally got a television, but it was the kind that you had to, like, sit there next to the TV and, like, turn the channels, okay? No remote control, none of that kind of stuff. And then I recall uh, getting into um, late high school, I take a college trip to go check out some colleges in Ohio and Indiana. Um, and I was in this guy's dorm room, and he said, hey, um, there's this thing called Prodigy out there. And uh, it's, it's basically, you can look up last night's NBA scores. I'm like, well, who won last night? You know, so he's showing me like this thing, on, and that was the Internet. And I was like, this is amazing. Okay? And uh, it was just text, no pictures, um, but that's what it was. And, of course, from there it sort of snowballed, and, uh, and now we have what we have today. And I know you guys, as I tell that story, you're thinking to yourself, Dave, you are so old. You are so not cool. But I'll remind you that this I'm describing, this was 1994, what I just described to you. That's, that's not very long ago. And uh, I guess it is almost 20 years, but still, you know, it's not very long. And, uh, and so this is how fast things have changed. Um, obviously, you guys have, like, the world in your pocket now. You've got the entire world in your pocket on a smartphone of some sort, most of you. 
And, uh, and so we're raising this whole generation now, just this totally changed everything. Um, my son, who's three and a half, he knows words that I'm just going, how do you know this? Like, he actually knows this is my iPhone. He says, can I see your iPhone? He goes, I want to watch a cartoon on your iPhone. He says things like, uh, can, can I see mommy's iPod? He knows the word iPod. Um, whenever I, he, he's watching a recorded uh, thing on our DVR, He'll say to me, he'll have his thumb in his mouth, and he'll go, he'll go, Daddy, can you pause it? Can you pause it so I can go to the bathroom and then come back and turn it back on and keep watching? My son knows these kinds of things, okay? It just blows your mind. So you guys are growing up in this environment that's unlike any generation before you. And I know as we talk about these things, you're going to sit there and go, you guys just seem like you're just so old and so outdated already. But I'll tell you this. I have a love-hate relationship with technology. Um, I love aspects of technology. Um, I, every week I get like a brand new app on my phone. I'm like, this is the coolest app ever. It's awesome. It's going to change my life. And it never does. But I love technology, but at the same time, um, it eats up our lives. That, that's just the reality of it. And so as you hear me talk and hear Kevin talk in just a moment, I want you to be open to these ideas. This is not just a couple of older guys um, just talking about media and how it's evil and, and it's, it's not godly. And so we're talking to you about how to use it, how to use wisdom, how to use discernment. Because here's how I know that it eats up all of your time and actually keeps you out of the Bible Here's how I know that that's you. I know it because it's also me. It's me. Like, my wife can attest, I have difficulty not being on Facebook. I have difficulty not just reading stupid stuff on the Internet. I mean, she's like, even reading football on ESPN for like two hours, right? And it's just, it's just ridiculous how we get caught up in this stuff. And so he's going to, Kevin's going to talk to us today about just, obviously, pornography, the internet, and so on, but also just the bigger picture of technology and how it's invading our lives. And as a Christian, what you need to do to be discerning and to use wisdom to make sure you're not a casualty um, in the technology environment that we live in today. Uh, so this is Kevin. Come on up, Kevin. This is uh, Kevin from, all the way from Michigan. Flew down yesterday. Give him a hand. And he's a Detroit Lions fan. Go Lions. Yeah. Yes. So what I'm gonna what I'm gonna have him do uh, real quick is I'm gonna have I'm gonna ask gonna ask some questions of him and he's gonna um uh, he's gonna uh, answer those questions for us and I'm gonna kind of go back and forth and dialogue with him a little bit as well. So just kind of tell us like about yourself and tell us what you do first to get started with. Well, hi, I want to thank you guys for having me down here. My name is Kevin McGinnity. That's McGinnity, M-A-G-I-N-I-T-Y. Pretty cool name, huh? Anybody else here named McGinnity? Let's see. There's not very many of us. Uh, I work for a company called Covenize. We are a, poor, a for-profit company, but we have the heart of a ministry. And so what we are doing is we're trying to educate uh, people about technology. It's moving so fast, specifically uh, your parents. And I want to talk to you about that in a minute because hopefully some of your parents will be at the next um, meeting we're going to have later on this afternoon. But I need your guys' help in educating your parents, so I want to talk to you about that. But uh, I am a what, what we call an Internet Safety Consultant, which is a new title that you probably never heard of because the Internet is, is – uh, 
moving so fast, new job titles, new jobs are being created all the time because of the Internet. And so my job is primarily education, and uh, we do have services that we offer that we sell, accountability and filtering type services that uh, go on your computer. But I'm not here to tell you you need to do that. I'm here to educate you and to get your cooperation about helping me to educate your parents. And so uh, I want to thank um, you guys for having me down. And uh, I, I, I'm blessed by it. I, lo I love you guys. I don't even know you. But I have a 17-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. So I know about you. You know, I know what you do. I know what you like. I know some of the things. You guys aren't that much different other than you don't get up here when they sing and jump up and down and do all that stuff. How come you don't do that? Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, um, I'm going to ask him some questions to kind of just get some feedback from him. Uh, I'm always intrigued by statistics. I think statistics really show us how big of a problem this really is, um, the issue of pornography especially. Um, and obviously the stats I've read recently show that it's not, this is not just a guy issue anymore. So tell us the statistics, as many as those that you can, to paint a picture for us as far as what we're dealing with in our culture. Uh, well, just to, just, to, just to begin with, the average first age of exposure to pornography online, 11, 11 years old. Um, the largest consumers of Internet pornography are between the ages of 12 and 17. 55.4% um, of teens reported that they had visited a sexually explicit uh, website. That was in 2009. That means... You know, I know you guys don't apply to these statistics, right? It's always the other people out there. But that means one out of two, all right, has done this. Um, here's just some things I want to share with you that can happen. Um, adolescents exposed to these sites are more likely to have multiple lifetime sexual partners, more likely to have had more than one partner in the last three months, more likely to have used alcohol or other substances during their last sexual encounter. Uh, when a child or an adolescent is directly exposed to pornography, the following effects have been documented. Lasting negative or traumatic emotional responses. Earlier onset of first sexual intercourse, intercourse thereby increasing the risk of STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, over the lifespan. The belief that superior satisfaction is attainable without having infection for, for your partner. Uh, which really reinforces the commoditization of sex, and we know the sex trafficking is exploding uh, right now around the world. Uh, increased risk factor for developing sexual compulsions and addictive behavior. Increased risk of exposure or incorrect information about human sexuality. Uh, and overestimating the prevalence of less common practices. In other words, they, they begin to think that everybody does this. So those are just some of the things that are going on, and we've got Statistics. If you want statistics, we can get you lots of statistics. But it's the world is trying to infringe upon you. It's coming after you, okay? Uh, and not that it's bad, like Dave said. It's not a bad thing. God knew that the Internet was coming, and he's given you a way to deal with it. Um, but it's a serious issue. It's an issue that probably has uh, affected your life or, or your friend's life. Some of your, somebody you know, I'll bet you, is affected by this. I think one of the stats that stood out to me when I've read about this issue has been the one that uh, you guys may not know this, but just the pornography industry alone is is bigger than the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA combined. Okay, um, 
pornography makes more money every year than the major networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox combined. And we're talking billions, billions, and billions of dollars. So this is not a small, small issue. This is no longer, when I was growing up, uh, pornography was seen as a, you know, an adult bookstore or a, a seedy little shop on the side of the road or um, some magazine in some nasty bookshop. That's what it was seen as. And uh, people were still affected by it in great ways even then. But obviously, with the Internet, the advent of the Internet, um, everything has changed, as you guys know. And, uh, and I'll tell you a couple stories that, that make this real a personal thing, not just a statistic thing. Um, I've, got a, I've got a brother, uh, my middle brother, um, I know has been involved in pornography online for a long, long time. Um, he's been divorced. He's got a kid that's the same age as my own son, Landon. Um, and now he's dating someone now who is obviously not his wife, but he's, he's uh, in another relationship now. And um, I know for a fact that he's had issue with this throughout his life and has not done the things that he needs to do to take care of that, doesn't have really a walk with Christ at all to speak of. And, uh, and so I've seen a casualty in my own family um, as to what this kind of thing can do in someone's life and in their marriage and so on. Um, also knew a guy who uh, I used to work with this guy at a church. Um, he and I were interns together. And, uh, you know, a guy that I really had a lot of... Um, uh, care for. I really cared about this guy a lot. He's, a, he's a, like a great friend of mine, but man, he just he struggled in this area immensely. Um, and partly because his own father, who was also a pastor, um, was also addicted to pornography. As a pastor, he was still addicted to this. And where, where my friend first saw pornography was on his father's computer. He's a pastor. And and he then became exposed to it and became addicted to it, and uh, and just it just it killed him. I mean, it was one of those things that just killed. Anytime he was in a dating relationship with a girl, and then she found out about this issue, it was like the relationship was over once she found this out. And so this is a highly, highly personal issue that destroys relationships, not just statistics. Okay, this is a a highly personal issue that um, I can go on and on about stories. I'm sure Kevin could as well about stories that just of people's lives being completely just undone because of this one issue. My wife, as you guys know, is a counselor and she sees this kind of stuff all the time with the people that she deals with in her profession. So, and We get calls every day at Covenant Eyes from people who, who are just desperate. Usually it's wives. You know, their husband or husband or their children are, are, have been sucked in, and uh, they're desperate. They don't know where to turn. And so it can, it's, neurologically, it can, it can be as addictive as any drug, any drug, uh, heroin, you name it. It can be because it does things in our brains the same way that those drugs do. Uh, Kevin, tell us, what, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about online pornography? Well, you know, the, the most common is, and we can, we can rationalize and justify, as human beings, we can, uh, we can uh, rationalize wrong as right, and we can rationalize right as wrong to ourselves. We have this ability to do that. And so what happens most often, Dave, is we, we rationalize that it's okay. We're looking for a reason, an excuse, to be able to do it. And so we might say, well, you know, all my friends, all my friends look at it, or... Um, 
You know, this enhances, actually enhances my sex life. You know, you hear that kind of thing. Uh, there's, there's a long list of, of uh, excuses we can come up with to justify it being okay. I think uh, I met with Kevin last night uh, when he came into town, and we had a great discussion about this whole issue. And one of the things that I, that I was telling him was that um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have, especially in high school, and this is not just guys but also girls as well, the stats show that it is becoming a greater um, girl issue, not just a guy issue. And, uh, and one of the things that um, really jumps out to me is that I think people, especially at your age, see it kind of like, um, if you go to a restaurant and there's a meal, uh, we always we, we always call the meal before before the meal. We always call it the appetizer, right? Uh, I think people see pornography as kind of like this. Um, it's it's supposed to tide me over until I can be married one day, and uh, that's their view of what this thing is. But when you look at it, though, it's it, it obviously has so much power over you that you cannot see it as if you can get rid of it once you get married. Okay, and not that that would make it right anyway, even if you could do that. What I'm saying to you is that it's a myth to think that you can somehow tame this, this thing. You, you can somehow tame this, uh, this desire within you once you get married, and it's been unleashed already through um, the portals of, uh, of pornography to the Internet. Um, that's one of the biggest myths I think that I've, I've heard people actually almost say to me uh, just in conversation. Um, another question I want to ask you, uh, Kevin, is... Um, discuss when we're discussing with pornography. Um, so often the message is, "Hey, just don't look at it. Just don't go there." But tell us the difference between true heart change in the area of sexuality um, versus just trying to correct bad behavior. Uh, discuss the, 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 important, the important distinction between those two things, uh, between correcting bad behavior but also real heart change. This, this issue here does not just apply to uh, the Internet or pornography. You know, uh, I don't know if you are at the service this morning, uh, but uh, the fellow who was speaking talked about God works in us from the inside out. Now, if we're trying to correct or adjust or modify our behavior, that's us working from the outside in. We're saying, okay, I can control this, I can manage this, I don't need help doing this. Uh, what God wants to do is he wants to place his spirit in you. And in, that, in his spirit is the power. And it's not the power to be able to quit. It's the power to overcome the desire to do it in the first place. Do you understand the difference? So when we have the spirit of God in us, we're not always trying to quit. I remember when I was trying to quit smoking cigarettes. I, was, I quit for 20 years. But I kept smoking every day. But, and I was genuine in my heart. I'm going to quit. I, I really thought I was going to quit. You know, and I'd even throw packs of cigarettes out the window of my car, you know. And ten miles later, I'm pulling into the store buying another pack. And then I've got guilt and shame and remorse, and, you know, just telling myself, why did you throw those out? You know, now you got to spend whatever. It was only a, a buck or two then. It's a lot more now. But we cannot control our behaviors from the outside in as Christians. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Spirit of God in us. Because we're called to be different. And the only way we're going to be different is if, if the Spirit of God is resi- residing inside of us, changing us from the inside out. And we're bound to fail if we try and do this ourselves and just adjust our behavior. And when we fail, there's a cycle that happens. And that cycle is guilt, shame, and remorse. We beat ourselves up. And we think we're bad people because we can't overcome this in our own power. 
And that's where the death and destruction comes. And as Christians, you're more susceptible than your, your non-Christian friends because they don't have that same spirit in them putting the same shame and guilt and remorse into them uh, so that they'll repent. And so the only way to really overcome any sin is for God to get in, fill that, that void. There's a void there. There's something that needs to be filled by His Spirit and let Him work on you from the inside out. Another verse that I always love to uh, talk to people about is in Galatians chapter, uh, chapter um, 5 where uh, Paul says that the way that you um, avoid the sins of the flesh is you walk in the Spirit. And that sounds good. That sounds like, okay, what does he mean by that? I think what he's saying by that is it's not that you just need to cut out just cut out the internet or just stop going to places where you might be tempted, but you've got to start walking in the spirit. That means actually following Jesus and actually spending time with Christ through his word, through prayer and so on. Um, you'd be surprised at how much of your sin would sort of fade into the background if you would just walk in the spirit. And I don't mean that it goes away completely, because in this life, you're continually growing, continually being sanctified in your walk with Christ. So it never completely leaves you, but it can fade into the background further than it would if you weren't walking in the Spirit. And so I can think of certain sin issues I've had in my life that when I have been actively pursuing Christ and filling my mind with those things and walking in the Spirit that certain sins kind of fade into the background just a bit more. And it's still a battle, of course it is. But, but you find that the battle is more easily won, not because of your strength, but because of the strength of the Holy Spirit and, and Christ's power in you, because you're walking in the Spirit in your, in your walk with Christ. Yes, and that, that requires crucifying the flesh. And that's where Jesus is our example. Just because we want to do something doesn't mean we should. Paul talks about that. And so um, you're called to be different. You're, you're called to be different than your friends who know, don't know Jesus. The problem is, and I've been, a, you know, I, I was a teenager long before this guy over here was a teenager. And uh, we, we always want to fit in. Okay, we want to be part of the in crowd. But if the in crowd is taking you places that are destructive, you, you need to be different. And you need to be able to tell them why you're different in a way that is loving and a way that doesn't put you as better than. Okay, and that's the spirit of God in you doing that. And the love, an actual love for those people. Um, I want to expand our discussion a bit more right now. I know that whenever uh, we say the words internet pornography, most of the girls in the room kind of go, okay, this isn't, this isn't a message to me. I will contend that it is a message to you, but I also want to tell you that um, we want to talk now about just things that are beyond just internet pornography, but also talking about things like uh, Facebook and other kinds of issues, YouTube, um, things that really encompass all of you. And I want you to talk, Kevin, just about how um, just technology and the internet as a whole is changing relationships, changing how we relate to each other in family context, in friend context, and so on. Can anybody tell me the uh, Jesus ministry? Does anybody know what min- Jesus' ministry was here on earth? What did he come to do? Pardon? Okay. That's, that's good. He also came to reconcile us to God. 
<laughs> what does that mean? That means we had a broken relationship with God. Okay, and so Jesus, the reason he came was to reconcile that, to restore that relationship. And the reason I say that is because relationship is extremely, extremely important to God. Specifically, your relationship with him. Now, I've got other statistics that say you guys are spending 20 and 30 hours a week online. This is online. Primarily Facebook, but that's online. And someone mentioned earlier, maybe Dave, you know, what are we doing if, where's our, where's our, are we in the Word if we're online that, that many hours a week? That's a job. You know, you could be making hundreds of dollars a week working that kind of job, but we spend it online and we don't even, we don't even realize the time just goes by. And so God is concerned about your relationships vertically with Him, but also horizontally and specifically in your family, your immediate family with your parents. Um, the, the Internet is not a bad thing. As Dave said, we're not here to say it's evil or anything like that. But it is like a bad neighborhood. Suppose there's a nice restaurant in a bad neighborhood. You want to get to the restaurant, but along the way are lots of bad things. There's, you know, casinos and prostitutes and, and drug houses and all of that stuff on the way to the restaurant. And, and the same with the Internet. There's good things in there, but the neighborhood, by and large, can be very dangerous. And so when we're online that much... The chances of us uh, succumbing, and we're, and we're also isolated, and this is something you need to understand. Screens isolate you. So there's no room for community other, other than kids. I've seen them pile on top of each other looking at somebody's iPod Touch, which I, I don't get that. But um, screens are isolating by themselves. And so Satan has you isolated in a dangerous neighborhood whenever you're online. And if you're online doing Facebook, doing uh, whatever it is you're doing, looking at videos, the chances for you to get picked off go, go up and up and up. And the relationship with uh, your parents, with your family, becomes worse because you're isolated. So we encourage you to balance these things. Uh, I was talking to the 7th and 8th graders earlier about, about three things. You want to pray. Do you, do you pray before you go online? Do you pray before you send a text? Do you seek God's will for what you're about to do? Or is it just something you grab whatever and do it? Plan. Do you plan? Do you have, do you have a plan for what you're going to do online? Do you uh, say, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to be on for a certain amount of time. I'm going to uh, send a message to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm going to do some homework. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to be off. And that's going to take me 45 minutes. And then, do you have a partner? Do you have somebody, because you're isolated on that screen, do you have somebody who can hold you accountable to, to, to doing what you said you were going to do? So those are just some real common sense things that help us cut down. It's not, you know, pornography is an aspect of inappropriate content online, but there's also time uh, wasted. That's, that's a big one. And broken relationships is another big one. And a relationship isn't posting back and forth to your friend relationship is like this, like you guys are all here. That's the kind of relationship God wants us to be in. And there are people out there who need you. They need you to, come, they need you to serve them. They need you to love them and not uh, spend time online. So it's taking us away from what God would have us do well, most often. I want to sort of camp out on this point for just a little bit because um, this is one of the things that I feel like I'm really passionate about, especially as I see you guys relate to each other and so on. And as I said before, as I see how it affects me, I know how it's affecting you. I'm not standing up here holier than thou saying, you kids need to repent. You know, this is not what I'm, this is us. 
that I'm talking about here. And, uh, and so I want to talk about Facebook uh, just briefly, especially. Um, you know, Facebook has been, I think, a great tool for ministry. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in a joking way. I'm saying that for real. Like, there, there are things that um, I'll see some of you guys post on Facebook that I'll be able to say, hey, you know, I didn't know your mom was sick. Or I didn't know this was happening. Or, Tell me more what's going on with your family. How can I pray for you? Those kinds of things are happening on Facebook, which is great. That's incredible. But everything that can be created with a, even a good intention, Satan likes to turn for evil. Our flesh likes to turn it for evil. That's just what happens. That's just the nature of, of us. And so, what I see happening on Facebook sometimes uh, just really, really burdens me. And I'll give you some examples. And this is especially for the ladies. Girls, if you find this urge to go, I'll use a phrase that Tim used this morning. If you have this urge to emotionally vomit on Facebook... Do not do it, okay? And I have seen so many of you in this room post things on Facebook as your status that I would call emotional vomit. You just, you have this idea you don't like someone, you don't like what happened in a certain situation, and you throw this thing out there, okay? Now, let me, let me tell you um, what an example of what that would be like in real life. Because anybody here seen the movie The Social Network as you watch the film? Um, only like three of you. Wow, it's amazing. I guess most of you are like, well, I'm on Facebook anyway, so why do I have to watch the movie about Facebook? So, uh, But his whole point of creating Facebook was to take the college social experience and basically put it online. So instead of the, the experience just being, hey, going to a party, seeing some friends there, you can actually experience all that continuously online and be kind of like in a 24-7 college-type party where everyone's just kind of hanging out. That's what Facebook really is. It's basically a digital room where everyone's kind of hanging out together, and some things you'll say publicly, some things are like little private conversations off to the side, just like you would have in a normal room like this at a party, okay? That's the whole idea behind Facebook. So, um, now imagine this scenario. You've had a bad day, and you walk into a party, a real party in a place like this, and you open the door, and the first words out of your mouth, you scream at the top of your lungs, you say things like, I just hate my life! All right? Everyone, the music stops, everyone turns to you and they look at you and go, you're crazy. What's your problem? Okay? And while you're sitting there waiting for someone to come to your aid, alright, if you did that in real life, first of all, you would have no friends because they'd all think you're weird and crazy. Uh, Secondly, you wouldn't actually get the kind of help that you really need. Because you might need help, but you wouldn't actually get the help that you really need. Okay? And so what's happening on Facebook is some of you ladies especially are posting things online, and it's basically emotional manipulation. You're just throwing something out there, hoping that someone will come to your aid. And that's what you're doing. It's, it's emotional manipulation. And I'll tell you that the kind of people that actually come to your aid on Facebook whenever you do that kind of thing, um, that's called codependency. That's the person that's enabling you to be, um, to be doing this kind of thing. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the best way to handle those kinds of things, if you've got an issue you're dealing with, 
Message someone privately and say, hey, I had a really tough day today, and I need prayer, I need your support. That is a perfectly good way to utilize Facebook. I'm not saying Facebook is evil, I'm saying that our evil comes out on Facebook. That's what happens. And and so when you're doing those kinds of things on Facebook, um, my fear is that it's creating patterns in your relationships that are going to be very destructive later on. Because you can't just throw out these statements, just these blanket statements online, and just wait for people to come to your aid and, and to think that that's a healthy thing to do in relationship with other people. You just can't do that. I also say this, this is to the guys. Guys, please don't ever ask out a girl on Facebook. Please do not ever say status updates like, so-and-so needs a date for prom, I wonder who's available. That, that is wimpy, and that is cowardice. If you want to ask a girl to prom, you go ask her face-to-face. And you say to her, you go swallow your pride, and you swallow your cowardice, and you go, and you, you know what, because when you're asking a girl like that to, to go to prom or whatever, you need to feel nervous. You need to feel butterflies in your stomach. You need to feel that because you're saying, you know what, you are worth it to me to go through this feeling of nervousness and anxiety to actually ask you out to prom, okay? If I see, or texting, okay, don't break up with a girl through text messaging. Don't ask a girl out through text messaging ever. If I hear about it, I will come find you, all right? And I'm serious about that. Because some of you guys need to man up in this area, okay? Because I'm telling you what, if, if, if a girl doesn't know, you'll just have butterflies in your stomach for her. Then what else will you not do for her? What else will you not be willing to go through for her? Okay? And I see this kind of thing all the time on Facebook. And, and it just needs to stop. You guys need to be the kind of people that they go, you know what? That guy, he's a man. And he knows that when he asks a girl out to prom, he goes and asks her face to face. He's not a wimp in that area. Alright? That's my sermon on Facebook. Now, Kevin, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Unless you want to, I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit more or not. But um, Yeah, I, I would like to. Alright, guys. What are we afraid of? We're afraid of rejection, right? We're afraid she'll say no. And that's an issue. You guys here on Tuesday nights have something called Life Hurts, God Heals, right? And if, if you are afraid of being rejected by a, a lady, it's not that you won't get rejected, but just because they say no doesn't mean they hate you, okay? It doesn't mean they don't want anything to do with you. They might have another date already. So, um, you know, the reason we, we do that kind of stuff and hide is because there's a hurt. We've been rejected somewhere before by somebody, you know. And so we, I've seen in both, both of these services and in the service this morning about Life Hurts, God Heals. And I'm a Celebrate Recovery pastor at my church. And so we've got something there. You may be okay or think you're okay, but if that's an issue, then you've got, that's, a play, that's something you can go to Life Hurts, God Heals and talk about because you're, you're hurting. So you have uh, things in place here at a church to help you with these things, and these things are not, are not godly. They may not be blatant sins like other sins. You know, you're not murdering or stealing or anything like that. But there's a, there's a hurt in you, and you're not 
all God would have you be until you deal with it, recognize it, get it out there, and, and get free of it. And then all the girls will want to go out with you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. If you're a genuine guy and you're loving on people, it's attractive to girls. Trust me on this. And so, uh, you know, we think we have to be macho and we have to be something we're not. And we, we have to, you know, put up this image that isn't us. But God created each of you special. Just, and, and, and your goal in life should be to find what that is and walk in it. And, and watch what happens. Be obedient. And watch him open doors that you can't even imagine. I want to uh, have one final question. Um, Kevin and I were talking last night, as I said before, and uh, what, what his company does that other companies don't do. There's such a thing as Internet filtration, which is just basically you put an Internet filter device on your computer and it filters. It's supposed to filter out the bad stuff, which we know doesn't always work. Um, but Kevin's company, what they do is a bit different. Their company is relationship-based. And so what that means is when you subscribe to Covenant Eyes, um, they actually, you select a, an accountability partner. And this is, I think, highly recommended for the guys and the girls, not just the guys. But there's an accountability partner that you select that basically that person receives an email, what is it, once a week or once a month? Once a week. Once a week. They get an email, your accountability partner gets an email saying, like, what sites that you have been to uh, throughout that week. And there's no way around that. It's just going to come to them through email. And they can say to you, hey, I saw that you were on this site. Like, what's the deal? Okay? And so there's a relational aspect to what they do. This is not just some Internet filtering device that's just kind of between you and your computer. This is something that you actually have a person in the flesh that holds you accountable to it. And, and I would say that I, that's why I think it's the best one to use because of that aspect of it. Now, I'll tell you, um, a couple of years ago, I was talking to some senior guys at this church, and I'm a very blunt person when it comes to this issue of pornography. If I'm with, with ten guys, I'll assume that every single one of them has struggled or is currently struggling with Internet pornography. Okay, I just assume that from the get-go. I don't assume that people don't do it, and I'm surprised when I find out that they do. I'm surprised to find out when they don't do it. And so I started that point, that, that place, and I think when I'm in a small group full of guys, I'll say that, I'll say, hey, how's the whole issue of pornography? And I kind of get this. And they're like, don't look at me. And I'll just say, hey, let's talk about this. This is an issue for everybody. Let's talk about it. And a couple of years ago, a guy, um, I was discussing something like covenant eyes, like actually a guy doing that to make sure he's holding himself accountable to it. And his comment to me was, um, but I'm going to be embarrassed if I have to go to my parents or my, uh, my dad and say, I need this kind of accountability. And so, Kevin, once you address this last question, how would you respond to a guy or girl that might have that response? Um, remember earlier I talked about shame and guilt and remorse. And what's happening is we're ashamed. Um, and they've talked about manning up. It's not a matter of, you know, uh, she shouldn't be ashamed of this. I would, I would picture you going to your parents and saying, you know, Dad, I want to be the best I can be. Or Mom, I want to be the best I can be. And I know that there's things on the Internet that aren't good for me. And I know that I'm not strong enough to stand up to them all the time. And so what I'd like to do is this. You know, I'd like to put something on my machines that will hold me accountable because I want to be the best that God has. Now, if you go to your parents like that, 
rather than in the, in the shame part or yes, I'm guilty part, you will get a different reaction. And I'm going to educate your parents this afternoon. Hopefully your parents will be there. If you're there, they, they should be there. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell them that you guys are the first generation in the history of the world to have access to information before the parents. When I was growing up, and I'm a lot older than Dave, reading. You had to learn to read before you could access information. You guys have to click on a button. And you can, you can find out any information you want, and your parents actually have no control over that. Okay, or maybe they do, or some control, but not like they did when I was growing up, and you actually had to learn to read and write before you could go to the library and find things out. Now it's just a click away. So I, I, I'm going to ask you to have some grace with your parents and mercy on them and understand they're just ignorant. They're not dumb. They're not stupid. They're not this or that. They don't understand it. And uh, you guys, uh, and I don't know how, how come God has done it this way, but you are the first generation to, to actually have to go to your parents and say, let me help you with this. And your parents are going to feel awkward because they're like, I hope my kids aren't doing something wrong, but I'm not really sure. You know, and we might be taking advantage of that. So this is not something to be ashamed of. It's actually a very mature thing to go to your parents on behalf of them, on behalf of your relationship with God, and, your, you know, I want our relationship to be better. And guess what? If you let your parents in to what you're doing, we talked earlier to the 7th and 8th graders, if you're hiding something that you're doing online, why are you hiding it? If you were doing something great, would you hide it? You'd go tell everybody about it. Okay, so you shouldn't be doing things you need to hide online. So if you start getting your parents involved in what you're doing with your technology, showing them the websites you're going to, making them your friend on Facebook, I'm going to tell them to do that because they should be your friend on Facebook. They're your parents. Okay? Love on them as your parents. Teach them about what, what you're doing and your relationship will get better. What's happening is they don't know... You don't know, it causes kind of friction, okay? And if there's friction in that area, you know, I'm going to encourage you to pray about this and, and, and walk into it. And, and, and when you talk to your parents, talk to them as a leader. Talk to them as an adult. Talk to them as a mature person who wants the best for yourself, who wants the best for your family, and who wants the best for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Kevin. I'll close with this, this one statement. If, if you're someone that struggles with this or has struggled with this, I'll even say this, if you're someone who hasn't struggled yet, I think that at some point you probably will. And so I would recommend that, that everybody um, have some kind of way of holding yourself accountable, whether it's through what they're doing at Covenant Eyes or through some other means, that you do something to prevent um, those kinds of things from happening. And I'll ask you this question. You might say to yourself, it might cost me some shame, some embarrassment. It might cost a little bit of money even. But my question is to you, what is your future marriage worth to you? What is your future marriage worth to you? Because the stuff that I see, even at my age, people coming into our church, getting divorced because of pornography, because of affairs, people in my own family going through the exact same thing. And it started with pornography. It started with online stuff. And... And, and what's so fearful to me is that you guys 
are in a place where you have unbridled access, many of you, to the Internet, whether it's on your phone, whether it's in your room, wherever it might be. And, and to me, if I can use this analogy, it's kind of a blunt analogy, but it would be the equivalent of having a stack of pornographic magazines in your closet and then your parents saying, you know, hey, don't look at that. And you're going, but they're sitting there right in my closet. That's what the Internet basically is for many of you. It's just unfiltered, unbridled, and it's sitting there 24-7 waiting for you to stumble. And the picture that um, we see in Scripture is that, that, that um, Satan is like a, uh, a lion waiting to devour you. And that's the picture that's used. It's a very clear picture of what, what's happening in these areas of sin and darkness. And so my question to you is, what is your future marriage worth to you? Because I would hope it's at least worth that. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for uh, just everyone in the room right now, God. That, um, I know it's a heavy topic, but I also pray that uh, if, if Satan is doing his work right now, if our own flesh is doing its work right now and, and trying to keep us from being held accountable, trying to keep us from this reconciliation with you and our reconciliation with other people, God, I pray that you would uh, be there in the midst of that situation and you'd be there standing firm, holding ground in the hearts of these kids' lives. I pray, God, just over these kids right now that you would protect them, Lord, that you would help them to be a generation of Christians that do not live in the same way that other people live. God, we throw that cliche around all the time. We say things like, hey, be different from the world. But, God, I pray that especially in this one area, that these guys and girls in this room would truly be different from the world. That they would, they would commit and they'd pledge themselves to purity of all kinds, but especially now, visual purity. God, I pray that they would um, realize that, that none of them are above sin. None of them are above falling in temptation. God, I pray uh, just for Kevin's ministry as well. I thank you for what they do, and I thank you for what um, they provide the body of Christ. And I pray that um, you'd bless their ministry, make it fruitful. I pray that it would just continue to grow. And uh, 